All right, hello and welcome to episode 10 of Musician Stories. My name is Chris Mitchell, and I am the lead guitar player for Four Times Louder. Today we have with us a longtime friend, drummer, guitar player, singer, and current member of Formerly Candace, Andash Fabian. What is up? How's it going, man? It's been a minute. What's up, man? Episode 10, we've done uh, Morgan and Jake at this point, which, you know, all friends and whatever, blah, blah, blah. We've right. been in the same circle forever. Um, your name's come up quite a quite a couple times so you're kind of an an anticipated uh episode here oh really wow i didn't even know yeah i i (laughs) obviously with morgan and jake i've known them since we were like in in freaking fifth grade sixth grade i've I've known morgan since kindergarten and then i've known jake and we've been friends since like sixth grade oh yeah you were in like all the origin stories yeah like (laughs) yeah like literally every everyone every one of my musician friends like when they talk about their origin stories i always get name dropped because every single project that's Someone does I try to just like be around them and be involved and they always end up asking me to do something for them because my ADD has just caused me to learn way too many instruments <laughs> yeah you're definitely a big product um of kind of getting involved with everything and anything it seems like until something yeah. sticks and it's cool you have a lot of projects going on but um well for those who don't know kind of you know how old do you what are you doing right now um you know a little bit about yourself uh, yeah, sure. Well, um, I've been playing music, I would say, in air quotes professionally, like in terms of like getting booked for gigs, I guess is what I would say professionally, since I was roughly like 14 with We Finished Last, and then I'm 21 now, so I've been doing it for a good couple of years, I would say. Um, but right now, I have uh, transitioned from playing mainly drums to mainly guitar, which is really weird for me, Yeah, because like, I... It, it, it's just a whole different ball game. Like after like actually having to sit down and like practice every single day, I gained a lot of respect for all my guitar like player friends that that has been their main instrument. Like it's not easy. And then I've been just kind of focusing on a lot, doing a lot of like the crowd work and frontman work of formerly Candace, as yeah. well as uh, helping pitching in on some uh, songwriting and other things like that. So, but I also um, own a business as well. I own a clothing merchandising business now, so I'm doing that. I'm just having a lot of stuff. I'm in my senior year of college right now. My degree is in cybersecurity and business administration. So I wear a lot of hats, to say the least. And I've been doing like theater and like event work since I was like um, 13 and 12. So it's I've had a long career, I would say. In, uh, now, when you say theater and event work, go go more into that. It's more like the production side of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I did. Um, I started off by being in school plays growing up because like... I'm an attention whore for not <laughs> for lack of a better term sometimes. And uh it's I was I acted in two different plays. One was called Blight Spirit, which is about this I played uh, the lead guy, his name is Charles, and the whole the whole play was surrounding around how his dead ex-wife comes back as a ghost and haunts his current wife, <laughs> and then he ends up accidentally killing his current wife, so they both haunt him at the end of the story. Oh my gosh. And then I played uh, Teddy Roosevelt in, well, he wasn't actually Teddy Roosevelt. It was this insane person that thought he was Teddy Roosevelt in a thing called Arsenic and Old Lace, which is a comedy about these two old ladies that um, like to poison old men for fun. <laughs> okay. So I All did right. that, and then and then <laughs> that's where I met my boss Brian Moravic, and okay. then um, 
ever since that point, he kind of took me under his wing as his mentee and he taught me everything I know about like lighting and sound design, basically. Like that's where my background comes from is like my theater because like personally, like I have a lot of opinions about like sound mixing live, especially in the studio. It's, I mean, as you know, in the studio, it's completely as different as it is live. So, but like to me, as you know, like vocals got to be the first important thing. And I was very fortunate that when I learned how to properly like mix vocals, it was with 15 wireless lavalier mics oh and, my, and yeah. a live orchestra. <laughs> so like you have, you know, six different condenser mics that are just ambient picking up the sound in the pit. And you have to mix that live as well as 15 different people's voices and that you can't have any feedback. Yeah. And you, and then all these people are also singing, dancing, moving on stage. Like they're not just like standing in one place. So it's like you got to really like you're out of really like practice and like uh, I always say it's like baptism by fire when you try to do audio in the theater world because it's like nothing is ever the same twice I mean yeah. which is crazy to me but yeah well cool That's definitely staying busy oh yeah for sure. <laughs> holy heck wow I'll cut this part but um I'm surprised and this is just me and you because I'm curious I always 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 ask people that like oh give me a little introduction there hasn't been one person that's like, yeah, I'm eight foot seven, three hundred sixty five pounds. Uh, <laughs> like, like, like there hasn't been like something as somebody just like got off the rails. And yeah, it's been like so I, like I should have been my like, job interview. Um, I you know, and that's fine, and that's like great because you know yeah. people that don't know you honestly. Now, know, but <laughs> if I could redo the intro again, I literally, I literally be like, <laughs> I do like it's. Cue and hear like the NFL, like the local music or whatever. Be like, Adash Baby and guitar from the Bonwalls University. <laughs> oh yeah, like oh man, that, that would be that'd be funny. But yeah, like no one. <laughs> that's funny. You're right. I even think about it. I know everybody's so uh, serious about it. Oh but. exactly. All right, or or back. Um. All right, so. Uh, let's start at the beginning. You know, what was kind of your upbringing in music? And you mentioned you've kind of been around that production and all that. Um, but you know, did you have friends or family that kind of wanted you to get started in music or what, you know, what was kind of the inspiration behind, you know, you believe it or not outside of my dad, who is very like, I'd say like minor guitar playing ability. I am like the only musically talented person in my family in terms of just like how deep I'm into it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, my siblings are, like, business people. Well, I'm also a business person, but, like, my, my sister's an accountant. Like, my other sister, she works, like, business administration for um, a shipping company and things like that. My brother's an electrician. Like, yeah, I, I'm, like, the only, like, I wouldn't say musically gifted because I, I, I think everyone's musically gifted in some capacity. But I would say, like... I'm the music nerd of the family. And I think partially there's two people that to blame for that. <laughs> Number one being my grandmother who um, uh, would sing to me growing up and she has the voice of an angel and um, it's actually really sweet uh, for her. Uh, I think it was her 85th birthday. I, I bought her an electric piano. That oh. was the first piano she ever owned in her life. Really? Cause she was, yeah. Cause she was, uh, I mean like, uh, for context, everybody. Yeah. My name is foreign. If you couldn't figure that out. <laughs> yes. I'm from Europe. And I'm from Hungary. And my, um, my family is, uh, from this little village called Shomlovar. And, um, my grandma just would always sing growing up and like be in choirs and things like that, like in church choir and stuff. But like 
but always wanted to play instruments. And like she taught herself how to play piano, which is crazy, just by her ears. So I know she has perfect pitch. Wow. And like I was just like, wow, I definitely probably got something from her in the line, which is which is crazy. But then my dad, he um he was the one that every time like when I was little growing up, I, I obviously played soccer for all my life and I played three years in college and then I quit this past year to just actually like pursue music full time, honestly. And then um <clears throat> excuse me. And then when I was like always driving around with my dad when I was growing up, he would always put on Beatles in the car. So like the Beatles were my first like introduction to like I don't know listening to pop music I guess is, is what I say or listening to music that like most people know that's my earliest like music memory is mm. clapping along with my dad to love me do in the car oh that's cool so that was that and then I um my dad had a massive record collection because he loves music too but like he's not like loving music on main if that makes sense <laughs> like he like has he has like original presses of like queen's news of the world like original oh, wow. beatles stuff like p original pink floyd and like like the only conversations we've ever had about them and he goes yeah they're good and that's it like we never go into any like depth about it like he's like yeah i just like it and i got it and i'm like yeah. do you know like what these are and wow. yeah, and then I would practice um, growing up. I would I learned how to play violin. That was like one of my first ever like musical lessons I took was violin when I was very young. And when I was there, I would always every single time I would go look at the guitars and look at the drum sets and <laughs> just like stare, being like, "Wow, wow, I want to play those. I want I want to do that." But then I would go, you know, squeak out hot cr cross buns in the next room. So was violin your first instrument? Violin was technically my first ever instrument I learned. Do you so still have it? I do actually still have it. Cool. And I don't think I'll ever sell it because no. I think that's just a memory that I'm going to hold on to. And maybe like if I have kids, if geez, I'll, I'll maybe give that to them and tell them to learn it and then pick up a guitar when they get sick of it. That'll be my master plan. I'll get them so frustrated violin that they'll want to learn guitar. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And then I eventually did piano and then, uh, got more instruments, but I to like my rock bringing up, I guess like my like heavier music is like my, I remember like I literally scratched the ever living crap out of my dad's because I played it so so much it was um Zeppelin 4 I scrapped <sighs> I scratched the absolute crap out of it like just like played it on loop I yeah. wanted to be John Bonham when I was like 10 years old <laughs> like, <laughs> like like I I wanted yeah. to be a drummer like out of everything I wanted to be a drummer huh So I guess going into some of your biggest musical influences, then John Bonham would definitely be one. In terms of drumming, yeah. John Bonham, 100%. Because, I mean, anyone that knows Chris and that listens to this podcast can probably attest that he's one of the biggest Jimmy Page fans on the face of this planet. Zeppelin sucks. Yeah. No. Zeppelin, <laughs> <laughs> well, Zeppelin fucking blows, dude. Like, like they suck. Um, Jesus. But... Like oh yeah, hands down. Like, I just, like yeah. when I mean like what you did with Paige, I did with Bonham. Yeah. Like I would just sit down and watch him play like hours and hours of content when I was little, and I was just like, one of the best quotes I literally ever heard spoke about John Bonham was when they were inducted into the Kennedy Center, and fucking Jack Black <laughs> was the person that inducted them out of all people. And yeah. he called John Bonham a man on fire. And I said, 
then I thought to myself, I was like, wow, that's like the perfect way to describe it. I got chills. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, like John Bonham is a man on fire and rest in peace, a real one, honestly. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, definitely he, him. And then, um, I have a lot of like weird influences, if that makes sense. So if we're going to go into this topic, I can go into more depth about it if you want me to. Okay. So because English is not my first language, I actually learned English through listening to Eminem and hip hop. Really? Yeah. So I have a big love for, obviously very controversial in terms of like his lyricism back in the day. He definitely said some things that shouldn't have been said, but like the man taught me English at the end of the day. So like (laughs) I kind of owe a lot of (laughs) my social skills. And how I speak to Eminem, so like, yeah, I, I want my night. check in the mail. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. no, fair. And like, yeah, how did you learn English? Oh, you know, night classes. I had a friend that taught me. Like, you're just like Eminem. They're like the the food. Like, no, it's <laughs> like no, that's no. I'm so talking cool, real though. Slim Shady, but not but wow. not like Slim Shady sober, like Slim yeah. Shady on drugs. Like wow. <laughs> that's what I learned. Interesting. Yeah, and that was that, and then. <laughs> Um, it was just honestly like I was a big classic rock. I was a diehard classic rock fan up until like I would honestly say like my freshman year of high school. Like I didn't really start getting into alternative music until I met my friend Greg Pace. And then he showed me like, dude, I remember being like 14 years old and listening to Metallica Kill Em All like for the first time in my room. And I was like, oh my God, this is the heaviest thing ever. <laughs> and then he's like, you want to you want to hear Cannibal Corpse? And it's just... <laughs> it's, just, it's just like I it definitely it, I definitely had to get used to the metal vocal screaming when yeah. I was getting into that music but I feel like the biggest thing that people don't understand about like metal and metal music is that like there's so much technique and work that goes into the vocalization of those notes and like what parts of your body you use so it's like that's what really got me into listening to it especially when I was like 13 and 14 I was like how do you do that yeah, yeah. A lot of people hear loud and aggressive, and they're immediately turned off. But you're right; there's so much more to it. But at the same time, I feel like they get they get turned off of it because of the vo- vocals. Like that's it. Like for example, like we learned "Kickstart My Heart" for the band. That's one of the covers we do, right? And that thing's a whole step down on all the strings. Yeah. Like that's a that's a heavy song. Like if you really think about it, like like. In terms of like, what do you classify as heavy? In my eyes, when you start tuning strings down, it gets heavier. <laughs> yeah. Duh. But like, and me and Garrett, my drummer, had a conversation about this. I'm like, literally, all you got to add is just some extra fry scream vocals and you got a metal song. Like right then and there. Like yeah. you got a you got a metalcore song and just like change the rhythm up a little bit. And it's just like, I feel like there's a fine line between like 80s hair metal and like new metal today like and that it's just the vocals in my opinion and different rhythms that are used but that's a good point yeah i totally agree with you on that one i mean like and then even listen to metallica like metallica is one of the best proofs in my mind that like you don't have to tune down to be heavy like i say like when i think about heavy music like i'm gonna use the most generic example master of puppets is in standard tuning that's in the key e like you know what i mean like 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 that's that's as that's as simple as it gets man you know but yeah, and then I my current uh, I would say my current top three because I had a conversation with my friend yesterday about my biggest influences in terms of like twenty twenty two on Dosh. Yeah, number one is definitely Coheed and Cambria. Everyone should probably know that about me that has yeah, ever talked to me. Yeah, <laughs> um, number uh, two is Nirvana. 
hundred percent. I think Nirvana is just absolutely fantastic. And number three is going to be a little weird, and I'm going to be a little quirky. Number three is subject oh, to. Number three is constantly subject to change. It's kind of whatever I'm feeling right now is okay. what I'm listening to. And believe it or not, I've been actually listening to a lot more uh, Pierce the Veil because they're okay. coming out with their new album, and I never really got into them. And I'm like, I got in. I was listening to them on the way here to this podcast, and I was like, okay, he is hitting. Almost three octaves above middle C <laughs> with those vocals. That's yeah. absolutely insane. They have so. some great stuff. Yeah, so that's yeah. definitely that. But that's what I'm vibing with right now. Definitely Coheed and Nirvana really like shape my songwriting and just like my music and who I am as a person. Yeah. So you started playing the violin early, but then when did you start playing uh, like as a rock band? Like what age were you when you started gigging out? Um, I was 14 and that's when I played for We Finish Last and I played guitar and drums in that band. So we would cycle on and off on, you know, what song, some originals I wrote, I play guitar, some originals Greg and Morgan wrote and they would, they would lead the guitars. And um, it was, it was very fun because like, Depending on who's on what instrument, like the song sounded like completely different. Definitely like a lot of the more stuff that I was on guitar for was a lot more melodic, I would say. Yeah. And a lot more like um, not complex musically because that'd be the wrong word to use it. It'd be just a different style almost. And like the parts I would be on drums for is the times I would get to, lack of a better term, beat the piss out of the drums and, and, and play really fast and hard. But yeah. That was that was kind of like the the start of my gigging career was 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 guitar and drums. So you said fourteen, right? Fourteen, yeah. So you're fourteen, <coughs> you started gigging. I want to hear some gigging stories. I want to hear maybe two or three, just like some that stick out to you. Maybe they're dude. funny. Maybe they're crazy. Dude, maybe okay. they're just sad. I definitely <laughs> like, I definitely have two of them. <laughs> all right. And one of them is a We Finish Last story from the early days, and yeah. I'm going to do a recent one. Okay. That Because I believe to draw from the recent past and the early past. So <laughs> um, the, our freshman year of college, Four Times Ladder was uh, still a band, but we obviously went to different states for school and were scattered in the winds, and we kind of knew that you know we're going to pursue music endeavors in different directions. It's just natural. That's what happens to the high school band a lot of the time. Yeah. And... Um, we decided to basically do one more Christmas show and it was going to be a Christmas kind of like theme show and it was fun. We had a, we had a pretty okay turnout for like our last show and it was in the basement of Mahal's. We were like, like before they transformed it. So like if anyone that like wasn't in, what never gone to Mahal's before like 2021, like y'all were missing out in the basement. That's all I'm saying. Like it was the grimiest, but yeah. like funnest atmosphere ever, dude. It was like dark, yeah, brown. Yeah, it literally gross. was like a grimy is I think yes. a good word for it. It was literally like a punk, like like kids' dream to play down there personally, and they have a small drum riser. And when I mean small drum riser, like it's maybe like, and I'm being very liberal with this number. It's maybe like six inches off the ground, <laughs> like if that, okay. like, and. Um, obviously if anyone's seen me play live at any point, I go fucking ballistic when I'm on stage and I have to move around or I'll explode. And at the end of 1985 was one of the songs that, um, my, we finished last used to do is like our staple. And I decided to jump off the drum riser at the end and Morgan didn't know I went on the drum riser. So as I jumped, he turned around to look at me. And I smacked him in the head with my guitar. 
And when I mean I smack, <laughs> dude. And when I mean like I smacked him in the head with my guitar, I'm gonna pull up the picture yeah. so I can get Chris's reaction here. Yeah, yeah. Because send send me that picture when we're done. Yeah, uh, I'll for put sure. It on the I'll website s- and all that. I'll screenshot it and uh, and send it to you because <laughs> it was, it was, ab, absolutely insane. I think it's on Morgan's Instagram actually. Or one of them, yeah, for sure. But Mo- if Morgan's listening to this, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about, <laughs> and he'll also be like, he'll also be like, yeah, that 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 did actually 100% occur. I can't find it, but but it's it, it's floating around the universe somewhere, and then I will I will definitely uh, yeah, I'll, de- I'll definitely I'll definitely send it your way, <laughs> and you'll be like you'll be like, yo, he's bleeding a lot. Oh no! <laughs> like I split that. I- like how Morgan doesn't have a scar from that to this day, I don't know how. Like I, 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 I split that man's skull open. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then the most recent thing that was just like absolutely crazy that uh, formerly Candace threw a house party at uh, in Berea, and like we never ex- like when you do a house party, it can either flop or it can be huge. Like honestly, depending on the night and who's who wants to go out and who's coming, like right. it's very hit or miss. Yeah. We hit this night hard. Like 150 people showed up to this house, right? Yeah. And we and we were playing and we were playing and everyone was like moshing and jumping. Steve was there. Everyone was moshing and jumping. And they were jumping so much that where when where we were, I started to hear like the floorboards like creak and crack. Like oh more than I should. And I just thought to myself, I was like, if we do a song that's like, re- and then we played Smells Like Teen Spirit, and when they were jumping to that, I looked at Cameron, because Cameron like was also like low-key concerned about the floor, and I looked at Cameron, <laughs> and I was just like, this is the one. I'm like, this is this is the one where just you're just going to hear, and there's the floor go 90 degrees into the freaking ground, and wow. everyone die, and we're going to be on the 8 o'clock news, because local <laughs> band kills hundreds, like, <laughs> because we decided to do a house party. <laughs> And then not even five minutes after we ended, a kid uh, was leaving and all I heard was, that was the best fucking house show I've ever been on. He fell down the stairs leaving and broke his ankle. Oh my God. <laughs> like milliseconds after we were done playing. Like I came outside dripping sweat. I was just like, hey bro, you good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were one sweaty boy when you play. Oh my God. Don't even get I think most are. I, yeah, you, I, you give it 110%. If man. you don't sweat when you play, oh. like- I don't know how like it's just not possible I actually had a conversation with my friend about this because we were like we're uh, my friend uh, Lucas because we're uh, he plays in co uh, he sings and plays guitar we we're having a conversation and he was like dude like being a musician is kind of like being a low-key athlete sometimes up there like when yeah. you're when you're playing for like like the last gig we played we had like an hour and 15 minutes of music by like minute like 45 I was like Oh my god! I still I, obviously I wasn't like oh I still got to play, but I was just like wow I still have to be up here for another thirty some minutes and yeah. I am sweat 
T. I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm like, there are times where I'm up there and I'll look at Garrett and I'm just like, I stink. Like I, <laughs> I can smell myself right now. Like we're, we're kind of like on this podcast. We're unveiling the secrets of what it's like yeah. to play live and like the ins and outs. Like sometimes I'll get a whiff of myself when I'm playing. I'm just like, whoo, bro, you need a shower. <laughs> like you, you gotta, you gotta put on the, def, the yeah. old spice speed stick, dude. Like you're, re- you're really pushing it. I like, feel and I'll ask you this question because I was just talking about it with somebody. Do you think you go harder on thirty minute sets or like an hour and a half set? That depends. I feel like I feel like I'm gassed after twenty minutes in a thirty minute set. I don't I know feel, why. I don't know. Maybe it's like because it's a shorter set and I know that, and I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm just gonna get it everything I can. I'll also the biggest thing I realize is that no matter how much like you try to time out a set it's it's just never like even close like i've tried to time out sets where like okay we play 30 minutes so then we do a dress rehearsal on rehearsal play all the songs that it's like it's 30 minutes on spotify and they're like oh yeah we've only been playing for like 25 minutes i'm like how is that possible i'm like how is that possible i'm like that doesn't add up math is math like like that 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 doesn't make sense to me but like i would say like definitely a 30 minute set is harder because you know it's shorter and you have to bring the energy the whole time i would say for an hour because we just played an hour it was nice to like and we were the only band playing it was very nice to just have like honestly like a minute or two to breathe up there yeah and just like sit because we got slotted for two and a half but we only decided to do an hour and 15 for that reason because we were like we're playing an hour of music like it's high octane titty slapping music so it's (laughs) like you need to you need to like give yourself a little bit of break in between songs you know what i mean especially for vocals like oh that was the biggest thing that like we had to consider is like garrett's like i need like two like there's some songs on the set that like i have to drag it out for at least like two minutes like talking so he can catch his breath and get a sip of water so we all can honestly like you've name dropped a couple times just for people who don't know out there uh garrett is your drummer garrett is my drummer cameron wydra is my uh other guitar player and nate matthews is bass i play i basically uh uh me and Garrett are the singers. I put singers in air quote because Garrett's the singer and I'm the yeller. That's what I say. <laughs> I do a lot of the uh, background um, so vocal support. That It just sounds really cool because Garrett's a wizard, number oh, one. Wow, he's insane. Yeah. The fact that he can do all that and play drums at the same time, he's a basket case in my opinion. Yeah. But when we do songs like I'm Not Okay by MCR, there's two vocal parts and one of them is just screaming. And I, I'm very good at sc- screaming and making it sound good and melodic and not voice crack and scream from my diaphragm and not my vocal folds and anything like that. So I give a lot of like energy support is what my role is. I guess I would say <laughs> yeah. it's to, it's to, cause it's very hard for Garrett to do crowd interaction being on the drums and also, I love doing crowd interaction. And it's so fun because, like, last show, we had a lot of banter back and forth because he's behind me. So yeah. I'll do this maneuver for the folks back home. I'm leaning over my right shoulder while talking to the microphone. And and when I'm looking back like this, I look at Garrett. And then during the last show, we just had some absolutely fantastic banter on stage. That's great. It was so good to just like like on the fly back and forth live. Oh god, that's better than heroin. Like <laughs> I I live for that stuff, dude. Yeah. Like oh my god. That's yeah. crazy. I don't do heroin for the folks back home. <laughs> <laughs> they're like this guy. No. Yeah, they're like wow, Nikki six much. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about a lot about you gigging yeah. uh, and your personal stories. Yeah. 
for your own shows. I'm curious, uh, what, if any, shows that you've gone to see and have really stuck out to you, you know, that were either influential or you're like, oh my God, this was amazing or, you know. Oh, I got, first one that comes to my mind is Coheed 2021 Jacob's Pavilion, uh, September 12th. Okay. Yeah. I know that. I know the date because it because it came up on my memory. Oh, so okay, okay. so I don't just like commit that date to memory. I was just really able to pull like, that out of my. I ass. actually have a tattoo. On yeah. My <laughs> well, um, Koki's just just that band, man. That everything they do is just absolutely incredible. Like when like they have like their visuals are so great because they have so many screens on stage but like they're like segmented so it's like they have these giant like 80 foot tall pillars but they're only like two three feet wide and it's just a screen and they have oh different images and flashing in the background and they did a kabuki drop too which is a which is a um a front proscenium drop so basically it's a clear cloth not a clear cloth that's stupid it's a white cloth that's a um, bit transparent so if you shine a spotlight on it you can see silhouettes in the background and they had a gobo which is basically a logo that you put in an um uh, etc source for which is just a regular spotlight and then it was their freaking keywork and logo that just was on the banner while like the backlighting was just lighting all of them up where they were going into dark sentencer then on the drop, it just it the curtain fell, and then it was just it was just oh my god, dude! I I fangirled like, <laughs> like I was like oh my god! I was like because I knew exactly what they were doing because of my tech side, and I was like oh my god oh my god oh, oh my god! I was just like having a panic attack in the middle of the pit, and everyone around me was like what the fuck is this kid doing? And I was like it's okay, I know music. <laughs> But that and when I saw Rise Against there in high school, same place at Jacob's Pavilion, they just tore the place down. Like they have such a like I love alternative music is because like especially live because they're so creative with sometimes the show they put on like like this was during the time of like when tensions were just like, kind of high in the US because the election and all that stuff. And they were their political band if people don't know, but they're more like environmental based and stuff like that. So they were like. They were like putting it like in between like songs to like interlude to other songs. They were putting in like sound clips and like audio clips and like, well, sound is audio, dummy. But <laughs> they were putting like, they had like TVs on screen, like big TVs, and they were showing like really like animated clips of like war. It was weird. It was like almost like, I guess the art style I'd say was like almost like comic book esque, which is really cool. And I've neat. never seen anything like that in a while. And I was like, wow. That's that's unique. Like having their like logo on like a cartoon bomb being dropped on a city while like they're introing a song. It's like wh what? <laughs> like how do you think of that? Like I've created like walk-up songs for like the band and stuff and like I think that stuff is I I love a good walk-up song. I'll say that. Yeah. I love a good walk-up. So, like in my opinion, I can tell a band, if I go see a band, I can tell they're good or bad based on their walk-up song. 100%. Like, I will never forget that Four Years Strong, which is a metalcore band, if anyone's any aware of it. When I saw them at Warped Tour in 2016, they their theme was, because when they come, Warped Tour is in July, for no one that knows, and they did a Christmas in July theme for their whole tour. So all their merch was like Christmas and it's the easiest stuff because it's open source. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not like you can't copyright a Christmas tree. Right. You know what I mean? 
But like it's so funny because like at the shows they were selling like ornaments with their faces on it, like cartoon faces and stuff like that of the band. And they walked out to Hawaiian Christmas Day, freaking Melikaliki Maka, and they just go into the hardest metal riff ever after that. And I'm like, that's genius. I'm like, that's so genius. And they had Christmas trees on stage. I'm like, that's the easiest decorations to buy. Yeah. Everyone has a Christmas tree. Yeah. Like, I want to do a Christmas in July show so bad. So, I love Christmas. I would like, I want to do a Christmas show in July more than I want to do a Christmas show in December. Like, <laughs> dead, dead seriously. Really? 100%. Okay. I feel like you could probably get more people. It's warmer. Oh, 100%. And also, like, I kind of, I'm sorry if you had, like, specific questions you want to ask me, but, like, I we're kind of like, just, like, talking freely no. at this point, which is Good. great. But, like, I hate the fact that we live in Ohio sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to finish this. This ties into it because, like, in California, like, bands can gig, like, 365 days out of the year. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and here, we're kind of limited to, like, a couple months in the We've fall. Seven, eight months. Well, seven, eight months yeah. out of the year to gig. But it also does force us to get into the studio and write, which is yeah. nice. Like, it, it is nice that kind of, like, the whole state, no one wants to go out in the winter. But, like... Man, when you have that itch in like, you know, like, fe- like second week of February and you're like, oh, my God, I haven't played a show since October, man, you know, yeah. it's just like, yeah. it's rough. Like it gets rough out here sometimes in terms of like finding shows and playing shows, I would say, because it's like obviously the venues that like book us like know us have ha- and have known us for like a minute. But like. Definitely, like starting a starting a group right now, um, like because we just, we're very new. I would say we're a couple months old in terms of like officially starting to. We're getting booked at major places already, which is great, and getting our foot in the door. But like, I would say it's like very hard to try to get booked and get a turnout in the winter months in Ohio, which is oh, frustrating. Yeah. But it is what it is, you know. Yeah, I agree. <coughs> Sorry, I just died for a second. Kinda. We're back. Um, so what are some of your personal musicals? I've always said this about like my all-time musical. I want to get as famous as modern baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so it's to the point where like I could make a sustainable living off of it and live comfortably off music solely as my source of income in my life. That's my goal. I don't feel like just like the countless hours I've spent reading like Kurt Cobain's manuscripts and diaries about his experiences with fame and music. I don't want that level of fame and nor do I think that any one of my musical friends want, you know, to be, to not be able to walk down the street anymore. Like I don't want that. I want to create art that like a good amount of people appreciate and listen to and a dedicated fan base that supports my music and like can pull new listeners in and everything but i don't really want to ever play a stadium in my life i don't think that necessarily i meant for that if that makes sense maybe i am maybe you know what you know destiny is a funny thing you know like when i when i decide to tease god and tease the universe something crazy usually happens to me so it's gonna be a soundbite 20 years later yeah this is yeah, gonna, gonna be an advertisement clip. For it's gonna be a clip. Wembley gig <laughs> yeah for my wembley dude <laughs> 
too. That's such a joke. For context, for people listening, when I was in, uh, when I, I, for probably people that know, but for people that don't, I was the first drummer for uh, Four Times Louder. And we always used to say that, like, yep, yeah, we got, uh, you know, playing Porch Rocker on Saturday, but, you know, Wembley's coming up soon, you know? <laughs> so we would always say, like, just wait till the day we get to Wembley. But I, at this point, I want any one of my music friends to get to Wembley. So. That'd be such an experience. Uh, dude, like, I don't, like, even, like, because now I could say I've played in front of a decent amount of people, like, in terms of the last couple of shows we played. And like the shows we've done, we we've played in front of a good amount of people, and just like my life, I'd say like the like the biggest crowds I I've played to is like 150 to 200 people, I would say, and like standing on stage and looking at that, you go, wow, that's a lot of people, like especially at Front Street, like I picked my head up, it wasn't even like max capacity of the building, but the whole floor was like at least half filled, and I was like, wow, what the hell? Same thing at the house show, I was like. Dude, like, I can't move. Like, this is crazy. Like, to envision, like, 60,000 people in front of you. That, like, you it's can't unfathomable. E- you, can't even, you can't even see faces, just heads. Yeah. I think Metallica still holds the record that in the 80s in Russia, they played to, like, over, like, 260,000 people. Oh, my God. And I'm just, like... And I think when they did interviews with that, I think Kurt Hamlet literally was just like, I don't, he's like, I don't even remember what I did. I blacked out. He's, he's like, I, I just like blacked out. And I yeah. was like, I was like, yeah, I, I probably would too. Like I probably, I think I'd literally just like black out, play the show probably pretty well. And then afterward being like, you played to 200,000 people and you're just like, what we played. <laughs> like, I, I feel like, I feel yeah. like, I don't know. Like, dude, like, it's also so different because, like, athletes, they have a whole team of people around them. Plus, like, it's different because, like, you're not playing to the crowd. You're playing each other, you know, when you're an athlete. So, like, you got to worry about the guy in front of you and the ball, you know? Like, musicians, they got to worry about everyone staring at them and got to make them dance and be happy and, like, have yeah. a good time. Yeah. It's a bit stressful. I'm not going to lie. I never, like, especially, like, because I have a very interesting opinion about this. Now, I'm, I'm going to bring this up because I just thought of this. Is that, like, I obviously am a big mental health advocate, as a lot of people know. And, like, I guess I'll share my side of, like, music and mental health. Is that, like, being a drummer is way less stressful than being a guitar player. Like, to me, personally. Like, when I played in uh, Four Times Louder, I was, like, very cool customer on the drums. You know, like, I I was, like, I knew everything was going on. Like, I'll be fine. Like, all that stuff. Playing guitar and, like, singing and, like, doing the structures of the song and things like that, like, it definitely requires a lot more focus. Like, a lot more focus. Obviously, like, music period requires focus. I'm not saying, like, every drummer it doesn't have to pay attention when they play, but <laughs> right. I'm also saying that, like, it's just it's just crazy because it's like like you have to be on it constantly up there and it's a little stress it's a little bit stressful because it's like you got 150 200 people watching you right now and if you flub a note everyone's gonna hear it there's no one else playing you know what i mean yeah you know spotify's not on so (laughs) if you flub the note everyone's gonna know and it's just like flubbing notes happens it's music you know whatever but it's like it's crazy to me that I kind of found like the ways to relax and cope before a show 
um, to get my mind heroin. right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> we are not sponsored <laughs> no, by no. heroin. This uh, episode is fun. No. <laughs> uh, whoa. Hey, yo. Whoa. But yeah, definitely. I, I guess like I never talked to you about this. I'll ask you a question this time since you asked all of the questions. What's your like pre-show prep? My pre-show prep? Um, wow. I don't know if I necessarily have a pre-show prep, but something that goes through my mind when I drive to gigs constantly, um, like when we had that gig out in Bowerson, it was quite a drive. Oh, yeah. It was like an hour and a half away, maybe even longer, maybe like two hours. It, it was a long drive. And yeah. every time I go to a gig, every t- every time I, or like as soon as I wake up, my only thing that's in my head, because at this point I've already practiced, I've rehearsed, I know my stuff, you know, whatever. The only thing that goes in my head is don't die. When I'm driving to the show, don't get hit by a car. Don't really? get a flat tire. Wow. I get so worried about not showing up to the gig that, like, I don't know, that that just hits me all the time. And it's not ever, like, a hindrance, but it's something that is constant when we have a gig. It's just like, yeah, um, don't die. At the, la- <laughs> like, at the last, do at one of the last stupid. gigs we played at Marietta, it was two weeks ago. From now, it was two weeks ago. We get there, right, and we're setting up. Literally an hour before we play. For context, Marietta is also a town in the middle of nowhere. It is a cool town. Do not get me wrong. I love Marietta. But the nearest guitar center is 96 miles away from there. So it's nowhere. So we get to the gig. We're unloading the stuff. And Garrett comes up to me and goes, hey, I don't have a hi-hat stand. So we literally had to call like every music store within the area. They're all closed. And luckily, there was a guy just chilling there. No, it wasn't a guy. It was Nate, his his uh, stepsister's boyfriend was at the gig. Who, and Nate borrowed his bass amp because he just needed a louder one for the show. Yeah. And then he was like, dude, do you have any drummer friends that have one? <laughs> and he was like, I think I got one. He came back like... 15 minutes before he had to go on with a hi-hat stand and oh. that was the most stressful time yeah. I think of my life but yeah d- and then the, what I do before a show is literally same thing like I practiced I rehearsed I'm not going to learn anything new I'm not going to change anything you know yeah. screw it I cannot on gig days listen to rock music really? I have to listen to hip hop or something else. Really? I just, for some reason, because I need another English lesson with Eminem. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to do my master class English with, <laughs> with Eminem in the mornings. I, it's, it's <laughs> envision like learning English, like on Duolingo, but it's just Eminem <laughs> as like your instructor instead of the owl. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like out for the E except after C. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, bars. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just like, I will play, put on some Kanye. I'll put on some just like hip hop to just like almost get my energy right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, definitely do that. And like, I specifically request at venues that we've played at, like prior to us going up to only play like hip hop and like pop hits and like other stuff to not play rock because it's like, we're going to be the rock, you know, for the next hour and a half. And like, I'm going to be, you know, thinking about that all day. I kind of need my brain to take a little bit of a break. Cause yeah, I think as musicians, we all tend to overanalyze a little bit. Definitely. And I feel like the day of a performance is the last day you need to be overanalyzing what you need to do. You need to be on your toes and think about what you're going to do, obviously, but like got to clear the mind a little bit beforehand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got to wake up with your head clear, like the day you're playing. Cause Heroin. it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'll, I'm sorry. And, uh, I'm no, sorry. No. <laughs> 
it's such a it, it's such a joke because we cover a song called heroin by bad flower and it's like every time we talk about it it's like are we gonna do heroin yeah we're gonna do heroin yeah yeah let's do let's do heroin tonight guys and everyone like in the crowd's like what the fuck are they talking about it's like what they're gonna do heroin on stage it's like no it's a beautiful song about a relationship <laughs> all right well we're running short on time so i gotta i gotta for sure one more question yeah. for you and then anything you want to talk about at the mm-hmm. end um Give me some future advice that you would give to a up and coming musician or someone that's just starting into music. Um, two things. Number one, practice. I think that is one of the things that we forget when we start playing gigs is to practice. If you really think about every single legend that has ever been a music legend, one of my favorite stories I've ever heard about Jimi Hendrix was that people that were very close in his life, like ex-girlfriends and like really close friends that were with him in London during the 60s when he was on the rise, they said there was, there was never a point in time that they saw Jimi Hendrix on or off stage without a guitar on. Like his girlfriend, I think like when like they released a memoir or whatever about him, she literally said that like he would have his guitar on and would be playing it unplugged when he was like using the bathroom. (laughs) Like that's dedication, dude. Yeah. Like that's crazy. And like, I kind of like started doing that recently. Like when I'm like, Eh? you know when I'm like, just like, cause like I'm a very like, I have ADD and I have ADHD. So I constantly just walk around and pace to like, just like my brain just does that. And now to like fill that tick, I just, pluck around on the guitar and it's actually helped a lot of like my finger dexterity and like my speed sure so little little hack for anyone out there trying to get better at guitar and trying to just um really focus is just touch touch the instrument man you think you think he was like maybe sitting down and playing while he was going to the bathroom or do you think it was like a standing urinal he just had it real high well i'd assume that's how he learned to play with his teeth Uh, oh (laughs) (laughs) But and then the second piece of advice is I would argue most importantly than the first one is marketing and social media. In this day and age, you're not gonna get anywhere with music if you don't market it correctly, if you don't have a good social media presence, if it's not clean, if it's not high resolution. iPhone six pictures aren't gonna cut it anymore. You Uh-oh. know what I mean? So uh yeah. <laughs> Rip a real one. I ha- I hate to drop iPhone six like that, sorry. But <laughs> but That'd be the biggest advice. And I guess I'll add a third thing. It's just have fun. Like, don't take yourselves too seriously. Don't take, you know, the industry too seriously. Don't listen to what anyone else says. Do your own thing. Do what makes you happy. Music is music. And I never understand. I, I, um, I, I, I'll admit this. A lot of the beginning of my career, I was very competitive in terms of, like, music and almost made it, like, in between bands, like, a competition of who can be better, you know, who can get further and growing up, I kind of realized we all have the same goal. Why not all support each other's goal and help each other out? So, like, now in terms of, like, everyone that's involved in music in my life, I try to get to know them, try to be like, hey, if you ever want to do something, just, like, let me know. Because, like, it's art, man, at the end of the day. And it's our art that we think in our freaking minds. And it just comes out in a, in a way that's, like insanely cool in my opinion music is one of the most awesome forms of art because it's accessible to anybody and it's like free for like a lot of people so i would just say truly appreciate the beauty of music and have the time of your life and don't care what anyone else thinks that's it well said all right all right i'll tell them about the thing about the pokemon cards oh for (laughs) sure so in the break while chris was using the restroom I said that I saw a TikTok that I meant to send to him 
and it it literally was it was what trading Pokemon cards was to middle schoolers is what showing unreleased music is to local musicians. <laughs> every time, every time. Like I'm That's just so like, accurate. yeah, because like, and like, even if I, sh- even if I probably talk to Chris right now, because we're we're gonna get in the studio soon, and even if I was like, hey, Chris, you want to see some unreleased tracks? He'll be like, oh heck yeah. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Literally, like after this, I was gonna be like, so I'm working on this thing. You want to hear it? Oh, one hundred percent. And I'm gonna <laughs> listen to it, and I'm and I'm yeah. gonna be like, this is sick, probably. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's fun. Yeah. Well. Um, um, well, anything else you want to talk about at the end here? Anything you want to plug? I guess I'll definitely plug the stuff. Um, follow Formerly Candace on all socials. That's the band. Um, on Instagram, it's F-O-R dot uh, M-E-R. It's four and then Merly Candace, if that makes sense. And then we should be the same on TikTok socials. Our Spotify's, you know, same thing and all that good stuff. And we have a show coming up September 25th, Sunday. We're headlining Mahal's in Lakewood and then October 8th we're playing Emo Night in Berea at Front Street Social so two gigs coming up and then an EP on the way soon so be on the lookout that's about it (laughs) well thanks for coming on man dude it was I mean I had a blast like it was really good to catch up and honestly just like I don't think we ever talked about like in terms of me like how I kind of got into music so it was definitely cool give a little history his yeah, history lesson you know i i kind of wanted to start with a lot of my you know friends or buddies or just you know people that i've played with in the last right. for the first season of this um you know the the podcast and um i've learned a lot it's cool to you know pick your guys's brain like i said i've known you guys forever but i didn't know a lot of this stuff about you and yeah. all this so i uh, hope it's you know interesting for everybody out there for as sure. well uh, but thank you to all the listeners as i talk about you out there i hope you guys did enjoy it and uh, if you liked what you heard, please like, follow, and subscribe to whatever you're listening on. Uh, please check out the website. I will link all the stuff that uh, Andash talked about, any pictures of stuff. I'll try to put it on there the best as I possibly can. Um, check out our merch page to help support what we do here. Uh, hoodies, t-shirts, all good stuff. Um, that's it, man. Anything else? Nah, man. Peace, love, and music. All right. We'll see you next time. See you guys. <laughs>